Welcome to the Fully Alive Man Podcast. This is a podcast to help men become fully alive by doing life together. Today we're going to talk about why is it hard to share what we believe about God in the workplace. My name is Lee Rogers and I am here today with Doug Hurley. Hey Doug. Hey man, so good to be here. And we are super excited to be on the podcast again with you guys. You may remember Doug from the helicopter Wiggle the Sticks <laughs> episode. I think it was episode four. I think that's uh, what we called it, right? Wiggle yeah, the Sticks. The Wiggle the Sticks episode, yeah. which was amazing. Um, We've just I, lost all of our listeners right now based on that. Yeah, little. I could I could hear apps pausing <laughs> right this second. Hey, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you may notice immediately that I am welcoming you and Robbie is not welcoming you. And so we just wanted to talk about where in the world is Robbie? Where's Robbie. Well, I will tell you where is Robbie. I will address the elephant in your podcast app. It's actually been about two and a half months since Robbie transitioned off of our team here at North Point to another amazing ministry that had been pursuing him for quite a while called True Face. It's a ministry we love. Mm -hmm. We recommend um, several of their books, um, The Cure and Bose Cafe, and he has joined those guys to help do what Robbie does, take him to the next level. I I just read, I've read those, those two books multiple times that you just said. But I just read The Cure for Parents. I don't know if you've heard of that one or seen that one or read that one. I have heard of it. Game changer. Really? I thought if I had graded myself as a parent, I would have given myself an A minus. Wow. And then I read that book and it's maybe a D plus, a D wow. plus. Yeah. Because it's all about grace, right? It's all about grace. Bro. I mean, not your grade. No. That you graded yourself right there. But otherwise, <laughs> that was, it's all there's about no grace. grace in that grade of a D. Plus. Yeah. That's but there's amazing. grace in parenting and just quit beating yourself up as a parent. Ah, so and good. I do that all the time. So, anyways, I love True Face and what Robbie's doing there is, uh, is, is jam up. Yeah. It's fantastic. And as you guys can imagine, um, I talk to Robbie quite often and he's doing well. And we actually. Um, recorded on his last day here about six weeks ago, we recorded five podcast episodes. So if you're a listener, it's like, it's a big, it's a quick switch for us. It's been a while, um, since he's been in here in the office with us. Um, how, how tapped out were you guys like podcast number five? Yeah. God bless Will Intrican, our editor producer. He's sitting who, over here right um, now smiling like, well, what do I, do I say that they wore me out because I yeah. shouldn't say that? Coffee? Okay. I right think on. we each just went home and didn't speak for the rest of it. <laughs> we got tired of our own voices. There you go. Anyway, let me introduce Doug in case you don't remember episode four. Doug Hurley is an amazing man who joined North Point Ministries about five years ago and came from the corporate world. Previous to that, he was in the military, helicopter pilot, um, different things there. Lots, many, many things he cannot talk about. Um, but he has joined our team because he is a visionary, he is a strategist, he is an ops guy, and he's going to help men's groups at North Point just go to the next level. And we are super excited about that. I should say also, Doug also um, directs another ministry here called Life Lessons Over Lunch and Rework. And we're going to touch on that a little bit today as we talk about his heart. And today you guys are going to hear a little bit of, of Doug's story, um, a little bit more of his story, a little bit of his heart and his passion 
um, especially for um, this idea of ministry in the workplace and what does that look like. Um, but before we do, let's just get let's get to know a little bit of more of the lighter side. Doug, do you have a dream job or a crazy a stretch job? What would be okay, like the okay. coolest job you could imagine? It would be it would be um, hands down. It would be a rock. I'd be a, a rock and roll singer. And if I could be more, and if I could be more specific, I would be I would be Chris Colley. <laughs> Chris Colley, who is, who is one of the he's one of the lead guys in the North Point band. That's I mean I just think he's so cool. Yeah. And so when I'm sitting there and I'm I'm listening to him and I'm watching him, I'll sit, be sitting next to Janie, my wife in church, and I'm, I'm looking up there. I'm like, oh my gosh, he's so cool. And she's looking at me like, why are you so so awkward. obsessed? It's awkward. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, but he's just amazing. Yeah, he's amazing. And I then I said to her the other day, actually, I don't want to be Chris Colley because if I am, then I can't hang out with myself. That's no fun. You can't look at yourself. Well, yeah. actually, you I mean, you could, could. but yeah. I want to hang out with him. Be and if more I, awkward. If I, if I am him, I can't hang out with him. Yeah. So I just want to be his best friend. Well, Doug, I've never heard you sing, but I looking at you, you'd be a great rock star. Thank I can you. feel it. Yeah. Stop. The way you look at Chris. Is, Stop. I was going to say is the way I look at you, but that. It's even more awkward sitting across the table from each other. <laughs> I feel like uh, I feel like we're kind of blushing right now. Let's... Yeah, I don't want to talk about it anymore. All right, uh, moving on. So I thought about I don't know if our our average listener follows any YouTubers because that's a thing now. YouTube YouTuber as a job, but my kids do, and some of these guys that they follow are incredible. And one of them that I want his job. Is Mr. Beast. Have you ever heard of Mr. No, Beast? No, I've never heard of Mr. Beast. Okay. This guy just hangs out with his buddies and they just do cool stuff and they record it and everybody watches because it's fun and good. And I was watching an episode that my again my 13-year-old tur- turned me on to where they were just going from restaurant to restaurant, not fancy restaurants, just normal low-end restaurants. And they would order water, he and his buddy, order just a water. And then they would tip the waitress like something outrageous, like a mini gold bar worth $7,000. What? And they would write on the napkin, hey, thanks for the water. So good. Here's a tip. This really is a gold bar worth $7,000. And then there are there like hidden cameras leave. that are, are watching her their response. Their camera guy is just sitting in another booth, kind of watching yeah. it go on. and Or they would tip um, the the server a an Xbox or a PlayStation or a, a big screen TV. And so they would just come back, you know, to take the order, or check on them. And there would be like a, a big screen TV and a PlayStation four sitting there with a note that said, Hey, thanks for that great water. We really appreciate it. And they're just doing it to see people's reactions and have some fun. I want to, I want to do that for a living. I want to be Can Mr. I do Beast. That? I want a name like Mr. Beast. That, yeah, Mr. Even if I still a do a boring start. job, I want to be Mr. Beast. Yeah. That's just Cool. Yeah, that's fantastic. How cool would it be to be a rock and roll singer and your name is That's Mr. the name Beast. of your band, Mr. Beast, <laughs> starring Doug Hurley. Oh, man, that's amazing. Thank you for I'm that. I'm in. Okay, moving along. Now we know some useless information about both of us. Mm-hmm. Let's jump into today's topic. This is going to be good. Um, Doug, why don't you just go ahead and kick us off, share a little bit uh, of your story and your heart and where we're going today. Yeah, I'll, uh, you know, where we're, where we're going is, is if I had to bottom line it, so how do, how do we be irresistible Christians out there in the workplace, men of, men of faith out there in the workplace? And 
Uh, let me back that up, though, why I'm so passionate about that. So this was years ago. I was in the Army. Uh, I was in a special operations aviation unit, hardcore skeptic. A lot of guys in my unit were, were believers, and, um, and, a, and a lot of times they were trying to win an argument with me and like, you need to go to church, and you should go to church, and you should believe in God, and your life is messed up. And um, good intentions. I mean, re- you know, good intentions, good guys. I know, knew these guys well. But it was really pretty, it was pretty annoying. And, um, and I can argue pretty well. And I felt like I won every argument with every believer that stuck his finger in my chest and, and tried to go toe to toe with all their reputations and arguments. But uh, there was one guy and, um, his name was Chris and good, really good friend. And we were together for years and he was a strong believer. Um, and I would say he walked his faith out more than he talked about it, but he did talk a little bit about it, but he never, not once did he tee up an argument and try to win an argument with me. And, um, man, so I kind of had this guy under the microscope for years, just going, huh, there's something different about him. He's a great officer. He's a great leader. He's a great pilot. He's a, he's a really good friend. Him and I believe totally different, have different worldviews, but I never felt judged by him, like by the other guys who had a, had a, uh, Christian faith. And you're saying an argument like, hey, I'm going to prove you wrong so you'll know I'm right. Is is that kind of the yeah, what they, those look like? Yeah. it's. It, I would say they would think good intentions, and pr- I'm sure there were. They were. Sure. But, oh, well, let's talk to him because he needs, he needs God in his life, so let's talk to him. But what it felt like, and I think if you could really get inside the heart, it's exactly what you just said. Yeah. It's let me have a conversation with him so I can tell him that I'm right and he's wrong. Yep. That's what it felt like. So, but anyway, so Chris, um, kind of just accelerating through that, it just got to the point we're in Afghanistan and, um, and I'm like, I'm so curious about why you believe what you believe. It's, it, it's me going to him and saying, I want to engage you Not in an argument is, is the right word, but I want to engage you in a discussion and try to understand why you believe what you believe, because I respect you so much. And you seem different than a lot of the other Christians. And, you know, I mean, we're in a, co- in a combat zone. So you're, most guys are probably asking those questions. <laughs> yeah. What's the purpose in life and why am That's I here? Right. Eternity what, comes up. What happened? What, what if something happens? And yeah, it's for, is this forever? How is he different? He was, um, he was, he, he loved me despite we had totally different views on things. He was for, I felt like he was for me. So for example, I just was just living a totally different life. And I'd come in from the weekend to work on Monday. And a lot of the guys would be like, hey, Doug's the crazy single guy. Tell us about your weekend. And I would, and I'd be kind of looking at Chris in the periphery to see his response. And it was never, or disgust, or right. I can't believe Doug lives that way. Right. If anything, if he said anything, it'd kind of be just a laugh. Like, Doug, you, you're crazy. Yeah. You are crazy. And- and he shouldn't have been judging me being outside the faith, and he, sure. but he didn't. And so oftentimes, as you know, we mess that up as Christians. Oh, we yeah. do ju- judge those outside we the do. faith. Yeah. So he, um, so uh, I had that conversation with him. It was like a two and a half hour conversation in Kandahar, Afghanistan, um, and it was amazing. And he didn't have an answer for every question that I had, but he had a lot of answers. And the ones he didn't, he was okay that he didn't have the answers. And I never felt like he was going for it. I felt right. like he was just meeting me in my doubt and my skepticism. 
And um, man, that was so refreshing. It was so awesome. And it made me more curious to know more about this Jesus that he was so devoted to. Um, And that was just a game changer for me and getting to know Christ. That's amazing. And so ultimately, you you would say that led to you believing in a totally different way. Yeah, just I'll give you the real quick uh, roadmap for that. I, I coming out. You of don't want to just go yada yada yada. And now I work at a church. <laughs> <laughs> yada yada yada. And now I work for a church, and <laughs> everybody should believe what I yeah. believe. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, but I came out of that conversation and um, got really really curious and started doing a lot of my own research, having more conversations, talking to people. Eventually, eighteen months later. So this is now December of 2003. I'm back in Afghanistan and um, just made a decision in the tent by myself and said, you know what, this makes sense or it makes enough sense. Wow. I'm taking that leap of faith. And I did. It was another year and a half after that. So now three years since Chris and I had that, what I call that pivotal conversation where I went back and I told Chris, Wow. That I came to faith. And he's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I didn't even know you were even thinking about that. I thought you were the hardcore skeptic. And I was like, well, I, I was, and yeah. now I'm not, man. And you just had a huge, huge impact on that. And so fast forward to why I'm so passionate, but that's why I'm so passionate about it. But right. now I am kind of doing the yada, yada, yada to accelerate through sure. this, to get through this. But Chris and I still talk. Man, when I took this job at the church, I left the military and went, and went into corporate world was trying to emulate Chris and how he walked as a Christian man out yeah. there in the in the marketplace. And um, years later, so then now four years ago, I came to work at North Point to do this position or do a position where it's, it's leading the marketplace ministry, which we'll unpack in a minute. But um, man, I call Chris and I'm like, bro, you are, you are the poster child for when I talk to, to Christian men and women who go to our church who are out there doing, trying to be irresistible Christians in the workplace, all I do is describe you, loving, non-judgmental, building trust for me, for the relationship, not turning me into a project. You're doing all that stuff. That I just amazing. talk about him. You essentially came on to build Chris's because we need, honestly, more Chris's in this world. We need more Chris's everywhere. I think that the uh, marketplace, the work, let me, let's say workplace, because marketplace, people who are nonprofit or teachers, education, um, we'll, we'll think, well, that's yeah, not that's me because it's not just commerce and business. But if you're in the workplace, regardless of what job you're doing and you're a believer, you have more opportunity and, and chance for impact to reach the person who would never step foot into a church. And at the end of the day, it's not about getting someone to come and fill an empty seat in a church. It's about, are we really drawing people towards Christ and are we loving I mean, it's John 13, 34, and 35, which Andy Stanley talks about all the time. Are we loving other people like Christ has loved us? And so that is, um, that's really what it's all about. So why don't we automatically do that? I mean, we, we all work somewhere to, to some degree, um, or we're in social environments in some way. Why do we not automatically see ourselves as pastors, ministers, whatever, as Chris is. Yeah, why, so why don't? I get why people don't. I totally get it. There's a, there's a handful of kind of big bucket reasons uh, why they don't. First one is, is put yourself in the shoes of somebody who's working in the business, and um, they're proselytizing, and I don't want them to do that, but they're talking about Jesus. We don't want, they don't want to be uh, offensive to their coworkers. It's, it's 2019. You want to be careful 
about what you talk about when it comes to religion and politics and sexual orientation and all those kind of heavy topics. And you want to be careful. And so I get that you kind of want to avoid that topic because you don't want to offend your coworkers, if that makes sense. Yeah, you don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be that guy. Another another big reason is you don't want to seem like you're out of touch. You know, so... Yep. Wait, hey, did you see all the great football this weekend? No, I, you know, me and my wife and my kids went to this Christian camp thing for the That's weekend, right. and they're like, dude, it's 2020 or 2019. Yeah. The best football ever is happening in this current era, <laughs> and you're off at some church camp. Right. And so there's kind of that anxiety around, man, I don't want to be the weird guy. And then because of it, you're getting boxed out of community at work, which that's, I mean, it's important. Let's be honest. That's important to have community absolutely at work if you're spending 50, 55 hours a week there. Um, another one, another big one, potentially the biggest one is a lot of Christians just don't know what to say. Like the way that Chris navigated that conversation with me back when I was in Afghanistan and, and he was so full of grace and, and, and compassion and empathy and trying to understand me and put himself in my shoes that's tough to do. All the other guys, or most of the other guys that were Christians, did it, I would say, the wrong way. Yeah. Not wrong intentions, just wrong approach. But um, And really felt like they, they did know what to say. They felt like they did know what to say, and it was ineffective, in, in my opinion. Um, but a lot of guys, there's, I just don't, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to say it. I don't know how to broach that conversation. I don't yeah. know how to respond when a skeptic like Doug comes and asks me a heavy question, such as, how could a good God allow bad things to happen to good people? Right. Like, I don't even know how to address that. All the classic questions. And another, another, another one is um, people just don't, they don't want to be embarrassed, you know? So um, I think maybe we talked about this a time ago. Um, you're in the break room and you come up to me, Lee, and, and, and you and I are talking about the message. We go to the same church and we, sh- I shared, we were talking about the message that the pastor talked about on Sunday and Jason, the skeptic who we work with in the office walks by and he overhears it and he said, Hey, you know, how, what does Jesus Christ think about the dinosaurs? And we just, right. We're like, I feel pretty stupid right now. Yeah. How do you even believe in that? That's ridiculous. I mean, just belittled. And so, so there's that factor, which is, that's more about personal ego and self-concept than it is about having a true confident foundational belief in what you believe. And then the last, the, probably the last one is, um, and this is different from offending someone, it's just HR and compliance. You don't yeah, want to get in trouble. That's right. And so a lot of times people will, will say, I'm avoiding that topic altogether. Oh, yeah, which is probably wise in a lot of ways. And yeah, we don't want to find ourselves in that position of, yeah, um, stepping into hot topics or landmines in, in some sort of way. Yeah. So the question is, what does it look like to become the person we want to be in the, in the mar- or what do we call it? The workplace. Workplace. Yep. Um, and we are going to talk about that and address that right after a section we like to call man hat hacks. Wow. All right. We'll do the same. Time. All right. What am I supposed to do? Do we We're go going to say three? man hacks at the same time. Is it when you point at me? We'll just can do you go, it. Can It'll you go come. Like can you go It'll one, come to you. Two, no, three. I'm not going to do either one right. of those. It's just going to come. All right. Go for it. Right after a section we like to call Man Hacks. That was fantastic, Doug. Way to step into the man hacks. That was amazing. So what is a man hack? I'll tell you what a man hack is. A man hack is a life hack. Anything that you do on a regular basis to make life better, make you better at life, to do things in a in a better way. Doug, do you have a man hack for us today? 
I do have a man hack. It is, uh, it's, it's a way to inject biblical values into my kids, but do it in a fun way. So every Tuesday, we do Tuesday Tenets. Tenets. Tuesday Tenets. Tenets, T-E-N-E-T-S. That's a goofy word. My kids don't even know that word. I am, yeah, my kids do. Poor, my, <laughs> four, awesome. my poor eight, six, and four-year-old. Fantastic. <laughs> Dad, are we doing Tuesday Tenets again? But I try to make it fun. So anyways, it, basically, we have five family values. And uh, the first one is honesty. That's the most important one. The second one is respect. The third one is have a joyful heart. The fourth one is be patient. Yeah. And the fifth one is words matter a lot. So the words you use, and it's all based in scripture, but I just try to make it fun and I, and say, hey, who's going to quarterback Tuesday tennis tonight? And they fight over it now. Like they're what? like, daddy, let me quarterback it. Let me be, let me be the driver. That's like, incredible. Yeah. So, so may, yeah, make what you want to teach your kids fun. Yeah. And on a regular basis. On a regular basis. Got it. Fantastic. Frequency is key. All right. My man hack today is is sort of lame, but it occurred to me that I do this and other people might not do it. But I don't know if everybody like washes their jeans after they wear them once. I don't. I don't know how many times I'll necessarily wear a pair of jeans before how, I wash them. How many? But I don't know, two, three times, oh, okay, okay. three, four times. Let's be honest. Let's be real on the show. <laughs> but if you just throw them on the floor or throw them on a shelf, that doesn't work. So what I've done is put just some of those stick-on hooks on the inside of my closet door. And when I take off my jeans, I just hang them on a hook. And so as soon as I'm ready to wear those same jeans, when they come back through on the rotation, take them off the hook, put them on. Hooks on your closet door is my man hack for today. That's not lame. That's genius. Yeah. I'm sure Holland is appreciative that you're not making a mess and throwing your, yep, she your is. two, three not doing day that worn <laughs> jeans on the floor. <laughs> several cycled jeans. Yeah. Yeah. So hooks on the closet door. That's what I got for us today. So that does it for the section we call yeah. man hacks. All right, guys, jumping back into it. Doug, we've talked about Many, many reasons why we don't necessarily feel like, um, as you said, it might be too intense to say, but a pastor in the workplace, mm -hmm. um, but why we sometimes don't even want to let people know about our faith or um, exemplify something that um, people have a bad picture of in their heads. So really, it comes down to a question of, you know, I'm a Jesus follower, you're a Jesus follower. What should Jesus followers be thinking about at work? At work. No, it's, I love that question. It's, it's, and it's really just a couple things. The first one is um, that work is a good thing. It, it's, there's so much connotation, negative connotation and stigma that's wrapped up around work and, and being totally honest and candid and real. I feel that way sometimes when I come to work and I, I work at a church, but it's, he, you know, work was so good. God was a worker. The first, really the first two chapters of the Bible is a bibliography of what God did around work for six straight days. I mean, he is a worker and we are made in his image. So work is a really good thing. Now, of course it got goofed up in chapter three of Genesis with the fall, like everything else did in life, but Christ came back and he redeemed all that. And he, He's trying to redeem everything. So, um, man, work is such a it's such a good thing, and I would I want Christians to know it doesn't matter if you're a pastor at a church or you're manufacturing widgets or marketing widgets or selling widgets or whatever it is that work is a good thing. And then the second thing is, you've got such an opportunity as as a irresistible Christian in the workplace with all these people who you're with for fifty two percent of your waking hours who don't know Jesus. If they're going to get to know him. It's gonna be it's gonna be through you. 
You're not the B or C plan. You are God's A plan. And this is a really strong statement. Andy says it so well. And he's got more credibility than I will. So I'm just going to say, this is what Andy would say. But God is never happier, never happier than when he reconnects with a lost child. Wow. So, Doug, just to recap, the first thing to be thinking about is, one, work is not necessarily evil. We're, we are made for it. Mm-hmm. Um, God created it. And secondly, that it's an opportunity. We might not have another opportunity during our day to affect others um, for what we believe more than, than we do at work. And so with those in mind, where do we start? Yeah, um, I think, you know, just be aware of who you are. You are made in the image of God. Um, I go back, you're a follower of Christ. Christ is in you. But when we say you're made in his image, you are you are made to work, you are made to create, you are made to manage, you are made to reflect all of that, and so, uh, and you're made to reach those that don't know him. If we're made in his image and we believe that, really knowing that identity, so when you go, and I'm just being really honest, when you go and it's it's the fifth day of the week and you're working 12-hour shifts and you're like, man, this is a grind, I get it, and it's okay to, to visit there but I don't want you living there. I want you living in, my work is good. It is purposeful and I'm made in the image of God and I'm doing work that is reflecting his image. That is really good. We sh- That should almost always be our starting point is identity. Mm, so good, bro. What would you say next? And the next thing is um, th- know this truth that God loves your work for your work in and of itself. Like, Get, get, let's put the missional thing to the side, you know, trying to reach the unchurched in the marketplace, which that's, I'm crazy passionate and fanatical about that. But just your work in and of itself, I mean, if you think about it and back going back to Genesis, you know, he gave, he gave Adam and he gave him a garden and said, hey, manage this. And gardens aren't meant to not grow. That's the whole point of a garden is to grow it. But if we go from that first book to the la- first book of the Bible to the very last book in Revelation, you know, all of a sudden, we went from a garden to this big golden city. I mean, talk about growth. So God really cares about flourishing. He cares about economic flourishing. He cares about, you know, he cares about products and he cares about services. Spreadsheets. He cares about spreadsheets. He cares all about that. So outside of the missional stuff, which is so important, just the work you do in and of itself that's contributing to the common good in your community and society, man, that's so good. That's fantastic. Yep. What's next? And then, and then the uh, probably the last one I would say is, um, man, just get ex- get excited about it. What a great opportunity that you have to reach those that don't know Him. Like I said a few minutes ago, there you're not a B or C plan. Matter of fact, I would say there isn't. There ain't no B or C plan. There is one plan. That's when when Jesus said, "Hey, see you later. I'm taking off. This is a good thing. I know you don't think it is, but it will be. I'm going to give you a counselor, my Holy Spirit, and." You guys are going to go out here and be the church and be the body of Christ, and you are—you're going to move on the world for me and for my purposes. And just to get excited about that, and know that Monday through Friday, I'm not just working 52 hours a week in a factory or or in a consulting business or whatever that is, but I am there on mission. Get excited about that. Gosh, that's a whole theological question in itself. Maybe this is all Plan A. Mm. Who knows? Yeah, love all of those points. Doug, again, just recapping, um, first, awareness, whose am I, identity. Second, um, that God loves our work in and of itself. He made us to work. And and the third, get excited. What an incredible opportunity to reach those that don't know him. Um, so, 
Doug, what are, I mean, we're doing life in community guys are, um, in men's groups, the listeners of this podcast. Um, what are some of the questions we should be asking ourselves and, and those in our groups? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So here are a few questions to tee up in the group when you guys link up in a circle. First, um, can work be as important to God as Doug said? And, and sorry for talking about myself in the third person there, but you know what I said in this podcast, work is really important. Do, do, do I think that about my work? Do I think that about what I do in the marketplace, in the workplace, in commerce, and business? And if I do, why do I think that? Why do I believe that? And if I don't, which could be even a more important question, why do I not believe that? So that's the first one. And this, the second one is, how effective am I in reaching those coworkers that don't know Christ? And again, if, if I feel like I'm effective, why am I effective? Like, what am I doing? Because the guys in your circle, when you're circling up and having this conversation, they need to know. That's a great question. And then the other one is, if I'm not, why am I not? Is yep. it because I'm worried about getting embarrassed? I don't know what to say. I don't want to get in trouble with HR. Flesh that out. That and, is really good. And and that's one of those questions that in the context of a, a group of men who know us can be super valuable. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we'll lie to ourselves about something like that. <laughs> All the time. But, but as we talk to other guys about that, they'll, they'll shoot us straight. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, usually it goes something like this. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm super impactful crushing and, and crushing it, reaching those that don't know Christ. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, who's one of the unbelieving coworkers that, that have come to church or that have come to Christ or that you're just doing life with? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I, I've felt convicted personally lately as we talk about who are we investing in, you know, in our, in our own lives and our work at a church, obviously with Christians, but, um, but do my, do I know where my neighbors are? Mm, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, great. That that question translates both not just to the workplace, but to That's to your right. point to the neighborhood as well. And then the the last, probably the last question would be, you know, what's one thing that I can do differently at work today when I pull in after listening to this podcast or tomorrow if you're driving home from work right now? Uh, one thing I could do that will have me being more missional out there in the marketplace or the workplace. One thing, and and the second episode we're going to give more practical handles, but just right now, just think out loud in your group, what would you do differently? Yeah, those are fantastic questions, Doug. And and just like you said, we're going to have a, a part two to, to this topic, this subject matter, because these questions, as you guys just heard, are, are the self-reflection questions that, that ask about ourselves, look within kind of questions, and then discuss those with our groups. Mm. And then in part two, we'll talk about okay, what can we do? What what are the what are some action steps? What's practical as far as what can I do next? Because we, you know, of course, we should always start with ourselves and and then go out from there. But these are perfect for that, and we'll include these in the show notes um, so that you can actually use them and ask these questions of yourself. But then talk about them in the in the context of of your group and your relationships and and the men that you are doing life with um anything to sum up doug um man i just i would encourage all the guys out there um keep doing what you're doing circling up in in your community i i'm so glad to be part of this team now in addition to the rework team the life lessons team but this team because it has uh it's just been a it's like i said it's been a lifeboat for me over the last four years so uh keep keep doing that and um man thanks for just welcoming me to the team it's uh, it's an honor to be here. Welcome, Doug. This is awesome. I look forward to um, 
not just many more podcasts, but seeing your smiling face every day here in the office. It's fantastic. Now you're blushing. Um, guys, we always want you to think about, um, in addition to those questions to this specific episode, um, we always want you to be asking three questions in your group. Um, what does this mean for me personally? What am I going to do about it? And how can we as a group help each other? Whatever your content is, whatever you're, whatever you're talking about in your group, um, we always want to mention those three questions. And we are going to leave you, as usual, with a little bit of wisdom from our very good friend, a mentor to many of us here on staff, a guy named John Woodall in a section we call Wisdom from the Woods. In our last episode, I talked about this idea of having a wall, a force field, or a bubble around us. If you missed last time, I'd encourage you to go back and catch that just for a couple of minutes. But what I wanted to do today is just follow up. As I was thinking about this wall and what causes it and how does it come down and what are the benefits of it, um, Again, as I led a couple of guys more into my life, uh, one of my friends pointed out that, generally speaking, what's behind the wall is hurt or fear or anger. So I had to start thinking about some of those things, and absolutely I could look to some specific examples where I felt like I was betrayed by very important people. And so what it created in me essentially is I don't trust people at my core. Do you and I want to be fully known by a few? Yes, but it's going to take some work. Uh, little by little, that wall will come down. Little by little, that force field will get less and less. And I think what you'll discover in the healing process and in the journey is that it really, really feels good to be known, to be loved, to be accepted, as our friend John Lynch says, even on our worst day. And so I just want to encourage you guys to pay attention to that. Uh, if you're married, your wife has been given to you as a lady of wisdom. Listen to her counsel. Uh, John Lynch taught me that there's somebody that knows you more accurately than you. Uh, give your wife, give those that are close to you permission to get inside that force field, to get behind that wall, uh, so that you can continue to grow and be and become the man that God designed you and me to be. Think about that. All right, guys, that wraps us up. Thank you again for listening. As we mentioned, this is part one. Tune in for part two, two weeks from now. It's going to be amazing. As always, we would love it if you subscribe to the podcast, if you like it. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next time.